Welcome to Safety Chats. Host Jason Stark, Director of Safety at Baldwin Safety and Compliance, shares decades of aviation experience and a passion for safety. Let's get started with this week's Safety Chat. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about just about anything safety, safety management, safety related. I like to think of it as anything that can help us do our jobs just a little bit better, be a little bit more effective. I want to get this podcast out for those of you who may be interested and predominantly probably my part 135 brothers and sisters is the NPRM for safety management regulations was released. It was released on 11 January and there's a lot of questions surrounding it. There's a lot of people looking at it right now. And we do have comment periods that can extend into March. So 60 days after it's released, so right around March 11th or so. Because the last podcast, we talked a little bit about the Part 5 model and some of the misconceptions that are being spread in the industry of how it's widely different between anything that we may see in the ISBEO. And I kind of want to talk unpack Part 5 a little over a few podcasts, but really just want to talk about the NPRM's first intent is to include Part 135 certificate holders and then also production certificate holders, type certificate holders, air tour operators under 91-147. So it's kind of a, in my opinion, it's kind of an odd group. The 135, not so necessarily odd. I mean, we were expecting that, but we were also expecting Part 141 schools, Part 145 repair stations. That I was bold on this one. Two things here. One, the NPRM includes 135 under uh, 119 certificate holders to implement safety management systems. The next step with the NPRM talks about changes it is making in Part 5 to help start assimilating entities. I'm going to call them that. These other entities that are going to be regulated by Part 5 as far as SMS. Why don't we just start there? Because this is actually kind of an interesting. Then I'll get to the point of this podcast. I said entities on purpose because as we start folding more and more entities into the requirement of Part 5, some of them are not certificate holders. And case in point, 91.147 air tour operators are not certificate holders. And the Part 5 language would reference if the certificate holder does this or the certificate holder shall do this and blah, blah, blah. So they use the language certificate holder. Well, now with 91.147 not being certificate holders, they had to come up with another term. And the term that they came up with is person or person. So if this NPRM goes through which I'm getting to that call in a second. The language in part five is going to refer to person or person. For me, uber confusing. And I'm trying to pull up an example as I'm here talking to you so I can read it verbatim. Instead of saying, for example, the certificate holder engaged in certain operations or the certificate holder shall do something and related to SMS, it now says the person or the person shall do this. And I think that the way that kind of rubs me wrong is because, as we all know, safety management is a tool for the organization. When we look at, especially in reasons view, when we look at this notion of the organizational accident, these are ones that are far and few between, but when they happen, boy, they take notice. I mean, they're big, right? And and we do see them. Unfortunately, as I said here, there's just a recent plane crash over there, I think in Nepal. When we look at something like that, we have to say, okay, well, was there an organizational aspect to it? And generally there is. So the safety management system itself is an organizational 
tool, but in the reg, for lack of a better term, now they want to transfer it to person or persons. And, and I know this is such, I mean, believe me, this is such a trivial point. When you look at the grand scheme of things of what they want to do, I think it just kind of sets the tone for some of the things the FAA wants to do with Part 5. Don't get me wrong, it was not very clear, and I think I hope we unpack that in the last podcast. It was a little convoluted, actually it's quite convoluted, prior to these changes, but now with these changes and some of the things that they're adding in this almost fetish, and I hate to say that word, but this fetish with a systems analysis for every safety risk management. The point of this is I really encourage all of you, and not just my my 135 brethren, but even 91, because you may be facing this down the road, especially if you are Annex 6 Part 2 Section 3 operator greater than 12,500 pounds and or turbojet, but it may be coming. It may be coming to you as well. So I really encourage each and every one of you to look at this NPRM, take the opportunity to comment. Don't be bashful. Don't be bashful. The NBAA uh, Safety Committee has a go team, as they call it, that has been sitting and waiting on bated breath for this thing to be released. And now that it's released, they're going to release the hound, <laughs> so to speak. They are piling through this right now, and they are looking and starting to gather comments, and we'll be submitting these comments, and hopefully the FAA will be very open to it. So first thing I want to discuss, and in all fairness, and kudos to the FAA, is around the notion of scalability. And you've heard this before, but scalability is being able to scale the safety management system so that it's effective to the organization of your size and complexity. To the FAA's point, the call in the NPRM is for comments related to scalability to help the FAA. And they did it two or three times uh, that I can remember. I think they're really still trying to struggle to make this applicable. And kind of just taking one step back, because this, what I'm doing today, and this call to the NPRM, and this call to look at it, it's not about not wanting safety management. I think a lot of us as safety practitioners do see the benefit of safety management, maybe not in the light the FAA sees it, and I'll get to that in a second, but we do see the benefit in the safety management system. We see about the formality it brings to identifying risk. We see what the impact it has on our culture. We see the impact it has on our decisions, or more specifically, our leadership decisions. So it's not about that, but it's about doing it right. And my contention is that a good SMS is a safety management system an organization will understand and will use. And to some of these points that the FAA is bringing up, it's going to be very confusing. And in organizations, I feel, are not going to use it. It's going to be a bookshelf. Want to start there with scalability. Wanted actually to give the FAA some kudos on that. Then things start, in my opinion, start to fall apart. Oh yeah, here's a good example. I want to go back to that person example. In the proposed 5.73, it's just a language change. 5.73a under safety performance assessment. It says any person required to have an SMS under this part be required to have a safety management system. This isn't this isn't a personal safety management system. I mean, I, I know I'm getting a little cheeky here, but it is it is an organizational tool. So why can't they use like the language of IK and say any service provider? Even 91147 operators would be considered a service provider. I don't know why they came up with person. I, I really don't. I mean, to me, the whole notion is confusing. So let's get into just a few things. The first thing I want to talk about as you read through this, they cite several studies. And the studies were uh, accomplished to show the benefit of SMS. Again, I am not arguing against the benefit of SMS. I just think some of these studies may be suspect. And I think the FAA may be taking liberties with some of these studies and kind of implying causation. Study that, but what might have been actually correlation 
or a potential correlation. Uh, some of these remarks related to the study, I think even in the study alone, have, have hindsight bias. That's why I'm encouraging you to read them. So as you go through the NPRM and you look at the studies that are cited, really try to dig into those studies. Even, even if you can download the study and read the abstract, it would be beneficial to really understand because the FA is, is making monetary cases for it and they're doing, they're doing this reverse engineering, I think is the way to call it. What they're saying is they're taking an accident scenario and they are reverse engineering saying if a safety management system was in place, this accident could have been prevented. I think that's taking a lot of liberty, especially when we know that the nature of accidents themselves are not linear, but they are more complex is probably the best way to put it. So we can't say because of one action or potentially, or even if they would have identified the hazard in the first place, we, we don't know. The SMS is not bulletproof. It can help, but we can't say categorically that it could have prevented these accidents. And, and I think there's a certain liberty there. But I kind of skipped over. I want to go back to the studies because the studies kind of looked at the same things and, and kind of came to the same findings. One of the studies was looking at accidents in retrospect with then putting a safety management system in place and then theoretically determining how the accident could have been avoided. And in Another study, the FAA provides an abstracted summary in the NPRM, but it talks about, you know, the increase in audit findings showed related that to greater safety performance was the greater number of audit findings because the organization started doing audits. And you have to wonder, well, yeah, they, they did start doing audits, which they didn't do audits before, and they're having findings, which, of course, because they didn't do audits before, I'm sure they will have findings. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying, how's that building the case for safety management and beating a stead horse. I'm not against safety management. I just want this to be on a level playing field and be truthful in, in some of the benefits of safety management to set the stage of what kind of safety management system we need to implement. Number one, read the studies. Go through those studies, look at them, and then come to your opinion, and then use that when you're looking at commenting on the NPRM. Number two, this idea of systems analysis, safety risk management, and now the concept they're bringing into place, interface management. It is something that we need to look at very closely. And I'm not going to get too deep into it, but I really think it's being misused here. Let's start with the systems analysis. So the systems analysis, according to ICAO 9859, which is the guidance material, the systems analysis is utilized in the development of the safety management system in the ICAO guidance material. So basically... What it is, you're sitting down, you're describing your system, you're looking at all the parts of your system, because remember, a system is composed of interdependent components, right? Just like the safety management system. It is interdependent components working together for a common aim. And in your business, being a system, your common aim obviously is the delivery of services and goods. What interdependent components do you have working together? And it doesn't have to be fancy. Even when I taught the SBAO, we talked about doing a systems analysis because it really does. It sets the scope for your safety management system and it also sets the scope for identifying hazards. Even if you just sat down and wrote a narrative about what you did and who you do it with and what you do it with and where you do it, it sets the stage to saying, oh my goodness, yeah, okay, well, we fly four airplanes with two full-time pilots, the rest contract maintenance, 24-7 operation around the world, rain or shine. We train once a year and we have two schedulers that are part-time and start enumerating what you do, what you do it with, who you do it with, and where you 
do it and you can kind of start seeing, start building the stage. Okay, well, there could be hazards here. What are the controls like here? What could happen here? And what controls do we need? And then it also sets the scope for your safety management systems. You know, we say, okay, this is where our risk is in these operations. This is where our safety management system is going to focus. So if you have operations like finance, for example, well, maybe finance does not need to be part of your safety management system, or at least that's the example that ICAO uses. However, now we get into this idea of interface management. And interface management itself is a very, very fascinating concept. When we talk about interface management, we're talking about two entities, what happens when they come together in the delivery of services and goods, and the risk that can be present at the interface of those two organizations. That's how Ikea described And I encourage you to read up on it. And you can find 9859 4th Edition for free on Skybrary. It's in 9859 chapter nine, read about interface management because it truly is fascinating. So let me give you an example. What we use when we teach this at USC is the fact that if an organization is doing something internally within its organization, what it's doing or what it's not doing can cause problems at the interface or the organization in which it's interfacing with. I know that's a very vague example. The thought is identify risk at those interfaces that can impact your company and then apply mitigation. In doing so though, taking a step back, in your systems description you have to identify those interfaces. Let's take a step further, those interfaces can be internal or external. So this goes back to me saying, well, maybe not finance is part of, as you saw in your system description, may not have to be necessarily part of your safety management system, but the finance interface may be something that you want to look at because of the fact that finance obviously controls money, which can control resources, which can impact safety. It seems like the FAA, at least as it's being described in this NPRM and to some extent part five, the idea of the system description is being applied wrongly. They make it sound like it's going to be an exercise you do prior to evaluating every hazard and assessing risk. To me, it doesn't make sense. I mean, your system shouldn't change that often. You may have identified hazards proactively through data analysis, through reports, through surveys, whatever. And if you've identified a hazard, somebody has provided you a hazard, for example, it doesn't make sense to go back and then describe your whole system again to set the context for evaluating that hazard. That system's description should have already been done and the system's description can help guide you in evaluating that hazard and potentially how that hazard could manifest into risk and how it can impact operations. I'm not really sure where the FAA got the thought that the system's description is an exercise that is done every time you're evaluating hazard. And unless I'm reading that wrong, if I am, please tell me. Uh, it's in the MPRM. If anybody in the 121 world is listening to this, that's already part of this, and I know you've been doing that. It seems like it's been beefed up a little bit. Let me know. Interface management systems description we talked about. Please read up on those. Uh, tell me what your understanding is. If you have a great understanding of it, comment on the MPRM and let the FAA know that they are misapplying this. The last thing on this podcast I would like to talk about in terms of the NPRM is the comment the FAA made regarding the implementation of Part 5 in general, especially for 135s. Now, the first comment they made is they said the implementation for Part 135 does put it more in line with the Annex 19 requirements. This is true because of the fact that ICAO does not differentiate between scheduled and unscheduled commercial. It is all lumped under Annex 6 Part 1 International Commercial Aviation. When the regulations for Part 121 were created, there's still a whole chunk 
of the Annex 6 Part 1 that was missing. By the FAA implementing regulations for Part 135, they are satisfying that Annex 6 Part 1 requirement of ICAO. The second thing they said is that that also puts them in line in more harmony with other states implemented safety management regulations. This is also true to an extent. I want to tread carefully here. I encourage you to go look at the regulations of other countries in terms of safety management. Go look at the framework of ICAO Annex 19 for the safety management system is an appendix two. So the framework to the safety management system that we all know and love, the four components, 12 elements, it happens to be in Annex 19, Appendix 2. Look at the framework and look at these regulations. So when the FAA provided the framework and the standards for safety management system, it says the state shall implement safety management systems regulations that address the framework in Annex 19, Appendix 2. And by address the framework, they're kind of leaving it open. They're leaving it performance-based. And the framework, obviously, is you know, the four components, 12 elements. Well, what a lot of countries did address the framework, but they also left the performance-based Nature. For example, for hazard identification, where the framework says the, the organization shall have a process to identify hazards associated with operations. I'm just spitballing there because I don't have it right in front of me. The state stayed pretty close to that and they left it performance-based because they said, okay, the goal is what we want you to do, operator, is we want you to have the processes in place, the mechanisms, the tools in place to identify the things in operations that have the potential to cause or contribute to an aircraft accident or incident. That's what they're wanting you to do. They're like, whatever it is you need to do to do that, that's what you need to do. They left it performance-based. I'm picking on safety risk management, and just as an example, the FAA, they, again, going back to safety risk management, this is where they talk about, you will, when you engage in safety risk management, you will do a systems description, and then you will describe how the system's changed, if it is changing, and then make it really sound like change management. But the point is, they made it very prescriptive. When we start getting prescriptive, we're going to kill scalability. And case in point, when ICAO in their framework, they never specifically address a reporting system because reporting system is in the guidance material. Reporting systems are a way of not only gathering hazards in the operation, right? If somebody proactively submits a hazard or reports an accident and investigation is done, but it also is a way of assessing risk control performance, especially if a risk control were to fail. So ICAO never specifically talks about reporting. In the guidance material, they say reporting is a tool to satisfy those requirements. The FAA, on the other end, specifically states the operator will implement a confidential reporting system where there's no fear of reprisal, which is a good thing. But when we talk about scalability, how are you going to do that in a two-person organization? And secondly, I think they're also confusing the difference between confidential reporting and anonymous reporting. Confidential reporting where the information is submitted to a non-associated, non-interested party, the information is desensitized and then the information is used versus information is submitted without any identifying attributes at all. There's a little confusion there, but what I'm getting at is this is also what I'd really love you to do when you look at the NPRM is to compare it part five, to the regulations of other countries because the FAA said they're in alignment with those, which I think they went overboard in prescription. Come to your own conclusion. And last point, we have to remember that ICAO Annex 19 states, or the standard is for the state to implement regulations for Annex 6 Part 1 operators. Annex 6 Part 1 operators are what's called international commercial aviation. It is those aviation organizations that hire, that are for hire, 
that fly internationally, internationally being from one sovereign state to another or one sovereign flying completely in the confines of another sovereign state. We have many organizations that are going to be impacted by this regulation that do not do international operations at all. While I get the fact that we need to standardize, I think this is a great thing. ICAO did this so that an operator from one country isn't bringing their junk into another country. I think that's fantastic. But as far as our own junk in our own country, is there potentially a better way that we can satisfy this? I'm, I'm going to stop there because <laughs> I don't want to ramble on with this. And there's so much more to say uh, as we start picking apart this NPRM. Baldwin's going to respond to the NPRM. MBAA is going to respond to the NPRM. Hopefully we can be very lucid and concise with our arguments so that the FAA will take them seriously. That at the end, it can be a better product for not only 135, but for what 121's had to slug through for the last, what is it, six, seven years or however long it's been regulated for 121. I think it's important that we inform ourselves. We don't listen to the industry. We don't listen to people getting up on a stage screaming that the sky is falling. Uh, even myself, you know, uh, I'm not trying to bring drama to this, but but what I am asking you to do is go check it out for yourself to take in the information, to really look at it with a critical eye and then come to your own conclusions. So that's all I got. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, wherever you listen to this podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever, and not geographically, like wherever on the internet you listen to these podcasts, go ahead and uh, tell us you like us. Uh, if you do like us, of course, you don't have to lie. But tell us you like us. Drop us a line. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know if there is anything else that we can be talking about that would bring value to what you do in the organizations. Thank you guys so much for what you do. Thank you for what you're doing out there, helping to keep the system safe. I appreciate you. I appreciate all you. We are here to serve you. Let us know how we can do it better. Till the next podcast, stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by Baldwin Safety and Compliance, the leader in safety management for the transportation industry. Since 2004, Baldwin has been providing state-of-the-art solutions and 24-7 support to the aviation and transportation industries. Baldwin's clients include all sizes and types of transportation operators. Baldwin provides safety and related business services to commercial and non-commercial transportation operators, medical transporters, FBOs, MROs, airports, flight schools, UAS operators, firefighters, OEMs, ground transport operators, and others. Visit baldwinsms.com to discover how Baldwin can enhance your organization's safety program.